Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Are you the type of person that's looking to build your liquor collection in your own home? Then go to Country Wine and Spirits Online Liquor Superstore. But check this out. They've also got a monthly vault membership. It's an exclusive offer. What does a monthly membership tips Country Wine and Spirits give you? Well, I'll tell you. You get free two to five business days ground shipping on all your orders over 50 bucks. Special offers, free mystery vault gifts in every shipment. And if you sign up right now, it's only $19.95 a month for the first three months. And if you sign up for this membership, you get 10% off site-wide on every purchase, including sale items. Plus, as a special with Hey Bartender podcast, you get the 10% off if you join the membership. But if you use Hey Bartender 5, you get 5% off your complete purchase. So you're getting 15% off your entire order if you sign up for the membership, plus use Hey Bartender 5 coupon at check out. So go to cwspirits.com, sign up for the membership, get 10% off your entire order, free shipping over $50. Plus, remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 for an extra 5% off. You can't beat that deal. Go to cwspirits.com. Aloha, my name is Lee Padilla, uh, all the way from Hawaii, magician bartender. You're listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm your bartender for the evening. I am Anthony. You can call me the dude. Uh, that's all up to you. Uh, today, I've got a very, very special guest. I found him on TikTok. He is a, an amazing bartender, an amazing magician. Lee, how's it going? What's happening? All the way from Hawaii. All the way from Hawaii. That's a, This is amazing. Now, the four-hour time difference was kind of scaring me a little bit, but, but uh, thank you for making it work for me. Absolutely. So, tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get started. Started bartending at 18 years old back in the 80s. Got really lucky in my position as far as uh, where I bartended, who I bartended under. Great training from great magician, uh, great bartenders. Uh, and just met a lot of incredible people who guided me into, you know, being a great entertainer as far as uh, bartending the magician. So, yeah, but I've been in the business 30 plus years and, uh, you know, just uh, obviously love people and love the business. That's great. Now, at the beginning of every show, I have my bartenders, if they're a bartender, because I have uh, all sorts of people, bartenders, servers come on to my show. Uh, if they're a bartender, I insist that they give us a drink special. So what do you have for us today? Well, actually, before craft cocktails came out back in the 80s, mid-80s, probably like 87, 88, uh, I used to do a margarita shot where I used to squeeze a um, fresh lime, fresh orange, and uh, fresh lemon. Just squeeze it. You can muddle it if you want. Uh, before, I used to use sugar, but now I would use uh, agave, so like a half an ounce agave. 
Um, you know, it depends. Uh, one and a half, two ounces of tequila, your choice. But the uh, fresh lime, fresh orange, fresh lemon, muddled or squeezed properly, shaken really good, and just strain it, get all that pulp out of there. And it's just uh, it's kind of like a margarita shot instead of just doing a tequila shot. It's kind of just got the, a very pulpy uh, tequila, which is uh, all the enhancements of a great margarita also. So I really kind of like uh, doing that. And you can have it straight on the rocks and have it as a cocktail, but it's kind of just nice having a, like a margarita shot. Uh, that's Yeah, that sounds really interesting, doing that as a shot. So orange juice, you don't use triple sec? You just... No, no, it's just that's why. So you eliminate all the juices, and you're basically just using the pulp and the juice of each particular lime, lemon, orange. So you're just squeezing that into a mixing glass, one and a half ounce of your favorite tequila. Uh, you can use a half an ounce of uh, agave and just shake that up really good. You get all the pulp, everything else on mix, strain it, and it becomes it turns to about a two and a half ounce you know, liquid with all the pulp and the juice, and it's absolutely delicious, easy to drink, and just phenomenal. Do you have a preference of tequila? Oh, shit, we can go down the list of tequila. My favorite right now is... Uh, uh, the Bell Maestro, I'll you know, the Bell that. Maestro, is, um, uh, they actually have a Cristalino, which is pretty amazing. So, uh, if you don't know what a Cristalino is, it's a, actually a reposado that is filtered through charcoal that takes out the color and it's uh, actually a clear, so it's not really a Blanco. It's actually uh, a filtered reposado, which you have all the characteristics, but it's just, to me, it's a cleaner flavor. So, uh, actually a lot of tequilas are coming out with Cristalinos which uh, is pretty much a uh, filtered reposado. Okay. Uh, that sounds good. Hey, people, if you try that drink out, make sure to email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com. Let me know what you think of it. And if you want to let Lee here know what it tastes like, we'll give you his information towards the end of the show. All right, so how long have you lived in Hawaii? I'm born and raised in Hawaii. Been here pretty much all my life in the mid-'90s. I just was very adventurous. I wanted to see where I stand as a, as a magician, as just as a person, as a bartender. And, you know, I wanted to compare myself to out there in the world. But I left to Vegas and Hollywood to compete and perform as a magician. But like as, as I, um, bartender, bartending is just a stage to make magic a lot easier. But, uh, you know, as a bartender, um, you know, that's where I started. I started here in Hawaii. Uh, just the year that I graduated from high school is the year that they changed the drinking age to 21. Mm. So in 87. Yeah. With being a bartender and a magician, you've kind of got a captured audience. You, uh, well, not exactly captured, but you've got a guaranteed audience. You don't have to worry about, you know, filling up all the seats every night. But when did you come up with the idea to integrate both bartending and magic at the same time? Well, uh, Rest in love to a dear friend of mine. He passed about 11 years ago, but uh, his name was uh, Bobby Akoba. And uh, this guy is an absolute legend. He was known as Mr. Magic, and he was bartending for 30-plus years when I started. And uh, as I was learning the field and roaming different bar, uh, bars, just kind of hanging out and going to different places, I uh, pop along his bar and just watch this amazing man just entertain and blow people away. I knew a few card tricks in high school, but, you know, I already started bartending. So I just figured that, wow, if I know a few tricks, I can really start to learn the craft. And so I watched them for like two years, just learning how to, not really learning tricks, but just learning how to entertain the guests. So mm. uh, that he really intrigued me. And uh, he's the one that really inspired me 
to uh, stick to a uh, bartender magician instead of bartender flavor. <laughs> <laughs> now, does bartending and doing uh, trying to complete a trick ever conf- uh, have conflictions? Do people, excuse me, hello? Well, actually, that's a great question. Uh, so, especially where I'm at right now, I mean, I'm a lot older now. Uh, the bar I work at is very simple, very straightforward. Beers, basic well. You know, we have a few mixing um, you know, ingredients. But in the past, I worked very large bars, uh, three, four deep at the time. Uh, but I could manage it in my mind, and uh, I was very quick. So I would have like three, four tricks going one time. Uh, and then I would have a separate bartender that just would handle the cocktail waitresses. So I wouldn't have to worry about getting their drinks or anything. And a great bartender, what you do, the secret is, is that having each group in each section of your bar start to them to start to mingle so they can start to entertain themselves. So it really is like I would have four or five tricks going at a time and maintaining what I need to do. But um, as you start a new bar or a new restaurant, uh, people don't know what, what your deal is. And then, um, you know, I mean, they're, the cocktail waitress servers, they want their drinks out. Uh, but uh, after a while, they know what pretty much what my thing is. But I think I was a quick enough quick enough bartender, and I would get back to what they need, you know, no problem. But uh, you're always going to have some type of complaints because you can get, you know, you can get stuck in the well also. Mm. You know, so uh, you have to just find a bar that fits you. Uh, you have to make sure that everybody understands what your goal is. Uh, you know, but you just got to find balance. Uh, my priority is making sure that they get to have their drinks. So uh, I think I have a really good internal timer to make sure that everybody got what they need. Right. So you said you started bartending when you were 18. And so did you start out as a bar back or did they just immediately throw you back behind the bar? Uh, (laughs) Another interesting question. Uh, (laughs) So I went to bartending school. Um, I am just a very confident man, very confident in everything that I do. Uh, and then, uh, after bartending school, the first job I ever had as a bartender straight out the back was just, uh, pretty much as a French restaurant and majority of the drinks was just beer and wine, but they had an incredible back bar, but, uh, it was mostly a lot of, um, tour groups in Hawaii. You just have a lot of tour groups, but mostly they had a choice of beer and wine, but they had an incredible back bar that was never used. So I gained all my knowledge as far as, uh, information of different types of liquors, where they came from, so forth. Uh, from that particular bar, I was there for six months. But then um, one particular evening, someone um, reserved the whole restaurant for the Christmas party. And that one evening, I poured $6,000 by myself, bar back by myself, cut garnish per drink, washed glasses per drink. I was slammed. Yeah. But uh, everything just kind of revealed itself that, you know, I can pretty much do anything. But that was also the same night that I wanted to walk out and say I'd never want to do this again. <laughs> but... Uh, I grinded it out, got through it, realized the amount of money that could be made and that uh, I had the skills and the knowledge and the patience to handle that kind of sw- uh, storm. And then I decided to uh, to move on from there and then, you know, increase my knowledge and experience elsewhere. Yeah, I went to bartending school too. Was it the same situation with you where they basically said, we're going to teach you about 100 drinks. You'll maybe remember 10 on your way out, but because bartending's just a lot of uh, repetition. You learn your drinks by making them a lot. Was that the same for you? Yeah, Pretty much. I think all bartenders, what they don't teach you because they really want you to come back and and then share and everything. But what, what they really need to teach you is they need to teach you, you know, what kind of bartender you want to be. You know, I mean, you got a lot of people, everybody's different. Like I said, their skill sets, their ability to maintain and uh, retain their knowledge, 
you know, uh, so every little thing, but the bottom line, when you go into a bartender school, you know, it's just pretty much basic knowledge, know how to turn the bottle over, you know, your counts, uh, you know, I mean, having basic setup of, you know, uh, your highballs, your rocks, highballs, and having an order, you know, how you stacking glasses and preparing yourself. So pretty much to teach you all the basics, but like I said, what they don't teach you. And I, I, there was a lot of drinks that I'd never made since, you know, I started since I was in school, like skipping, go naked, uh, sidecars, uh, you know, sex on the beach, things like that, that people hardly ever order. But those are the drinks that we were practicing and making at that particular time. Yeah, you know, but, uh, I, can, I can relate to that because a, a lot of the uh, classic drinks that I mean way back, the the names for them don't get used anymore. So the people ask for Cuba Libre, you have to know that's a rub and, rum and coke right. with lime. Or they ask for Sea Breeze. I, uh, there was only one time that somebody asked me for, uh, uh, what was, um, it's like a slow gin fizz or something like that. I had no idea. I had to go back and get my bartender guide out and, uh, or, uh, Harvey Wallbanger. I always knew because that's all my grandfather ever talked about, but, (laughs) um, it was, uh, no, but it's just even all the fizzes, you know I mean? You learn all the fizzes. You know, even back with, you know, I mean, who the hell used cream de mint anymore? But, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, you know, grasshoppers, things like that. You know, you're learning all these classic drinks. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, as long as you sort of understand it, if you retain it and you, you know, that's great. But once you really get into the field, I mean, uh, you know, there's only specific type of drinks that you're going to probably be making for that particular bar, you know. But in, in, in Hawaii, I uh, just actually so just three day, three nights ago, a bartender from Oregon, uh, he, I don't know, actually, I'm sorry, he's from Alaska. He's coming in, but he said he don't want to bartend. He's been bartending for 20 plus years, but he don't want to bartend. and just want to be a server. And I said, why? He goes, because he don't want to learn all the different drinks that we have in Hawaii. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just so many tropical drinks. And, and then the names is very confusing, but, uh, you know, you're going to be intimidated by that. And then I quickly shared with him. I said, you know, everything is in categories. You'll see your well that it's all grouped together. You know, and pretty much it's all the syrups that you're going to end up using, you know, your passion fruits, the reals, you know, things like that. I mean, uh, and it's also, um, you know, it's uh, it's basic to us. It's basic knowledge. But anybody that would come to Hawaii, they wouldn't know what lihimui powder is, where that would be a very common thing here in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, so things like that where, you know, if somebody's teaching or sharing with you, those are the type of things that they should share with you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there are drinks within regions uh, I've, I've noticed over the years. Like, uh, if you start in New York, Long Island iced tea, vodka, gin, rum, triple sec, sweet and sour Coke. But as you slowly go head west, by the time it gets Texas, they add tequila to it. And, you know, it it gradually changes. But, uh, you know, I've always maintained that there's a thousand different drinks made a thousand different ways called it a thousand different things. And, That's right. Because, uh, you know, even the simple drinks like the Slippery Nipple, it's got... 18 different names, a cowboy cocksucker, uh, right. you know, anyway, but so how do you, uh, so you're working in Hawaii. Do you deal with a lot of tropical drinks? Oh, I mean, all the time. I mean, that's what people are there for. They're there for Mai Tais. And if you go back to Mai Tais, there's a hundred versions, yeah. you know, there's, you have basic Mai Tai that are based upon it, but we have Mai Tai competitions all the time, you know, and you're trying, you know, 30 different types of Mai Tais with, different types of ingredients, they're making lilikoi foams and all these different things. Uh, but you, you know, once again, with any other drink, 
the classic is always the best and you build up on the classic. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's never ending as far as, um, you know, the cocktail knowledge or the type of cocktails that you're going to have, because everything's going to be tropical. Uh, everything's going to have fruits or, uh, some type of syrup in it. But, uh, you know, go, you know, uh, shout out to the Real brand. You know, the Real does the Coco Lopez or the Coco Reals, the Mango Real, the Guava, Passion Fruit. I mean, the Real brand is amazing and, uh, it's used around, you know, the islands very commonly and for many, many type of cocktails. And it's absolutely delicious. Mm. Available at CW Spirits, Soda Jerk. It's an American-made brand which takes a touch of nostalgia and mixes it with today's modern edge to craft. Great tasting, familiar flavored shots, Soda Jerk shots with slight sweetness, not overly boozy flavor, and a long creamy finish. Soda Jerk Root Beer Shot is a delicious liquor that blends the classic spice-filled taste of root beer with a rich, creamy finish. This 70-proof liquor provides the nostalgic taste of an invigorating, bubbly root beer fresh from the soda fountain. Enjoy an inventive dessert cocktail or ice cold as a tasty shot. Try Soda Jerk. It's both available in root beer and orange cream flavor. Available on CW Spirits. Just remember to use Hey Bartender 5 at checkout to get an additional 5% off your entire order. And if you spend more than $125, you get free shipping. Go to CW Spirits today and order Soda Jerk now. Hey Bartender! So most of tropical drinks that I know, well... Uh, at least a few of them, uh, require blending. And I've accidentally become, uh, TikTok famous for saying that I don't like to use blenders all that much. I still use them. Customer asks for it. I'll still make a daiquiri, but I don't like, I don't have to like it. Do you, uh, are there a lot of blended drinks or? So the last time I've used a blender was about five years ago and it was for a, um, in a Mexican restaurant and it was majority of was tequilas and margaritas. And, uh, even with that, I was there for almost a year. I probably used the blender maybe a dozen times. Everything is shaken now. Mm. Everything is shaken. Uh, people who know their cocktails, they know that they get a better drink if it's shaken. You know, um, the blender, once again, it dilutes it. You know, a lot of bartenders will cheat you with the, with the, with the alcohol to control your costs. Uh, you won't even taste it. Or, they, you know, they, the balance is off, so you're not really getting all the liquor that you should. So uh, that's the last time. Before that, it was in the 90s that I used, you know, uh, a blender. Uh, I just went to visit a friend of mine who's here in Waikiki, bartended for a very long time. I never heard the blender go off once when I was, you know, with him. Because I think that everybody's shaking drinks now instead of blending. There are smoothie drinks, but I think that, um, you know, I wouldn't know what particular cocktail that absolutely needs a blender. You know, and everybody, if they're, if they're doing margaritas, they would probably most likely have a slushy machine, which that's what we have right. at the restaurant right now also. Yeah, I uh, noticed that in Las Vegas. There's slushy machines everywhere that you can go, and uh, they'll put the liquor in for you, and you get that yard of daiquiris or margaritas or something like that. But uh, for me, that's way too much. I, I stay away from that. But, but uh, yeah, I, I just uh, kept imagining, since you live in a, a very touristy area, you'd uh, maybe have to have at least two blenders going at all times because some people think I'm, I need a umbrella drink and what can I think of pina colada and uh, you know, 
that's uh, then you have to make it get the blender out. Well, that's, like I said, that's really old school. I think that uh, for me, in my opinion, I think blenders are really old school. Uh, I've used them in the past. Uh, you know, I've been to the last two bars that I've been to. They never had them. You know, we don't have them in the bar that I have right now. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, once again, um, even like you said, pina coladas, we all shake out pina coladas, uh, blue Hawaii's. Um, we do have slushy machines and uh, we don't even have margaritas in there. We have other cocktails. Mm. You know, we actually have Moscow Muse that is blended, you know, already in the slushy machines. We have, mm. you know, some uh, some other peach, you know, daiquiri cocktail in there. We got uh, Luau Punch and we got several other you know, uh, blended drinks that is already pre-made, but very rarely you have, uh, you hear blenders go off anywhere. Now I kind of made it of assumption that you had only tourists going through. Do you, is the tourists, do you get a lot of tourists where you work or? So in Hawaii, um, uh, if you work in a hotel, majority of your, um, your customers will be tourists coming from the hotel and the hotel bars, they have <laughs> great food, great drinks, Top of the line, everything, fresh ingredients, amazing. So, and because they want their guests to come down to your bar to enjoy their lounge or their bar and their pool and everything. But I work in in a community area in the heart of Waikiki uh, that uh, we have actually 50-50. Now, maybe 35-65 uh, tourists versus locals. And uh, that's what I think makes it exciting is that the tourists, they want to be engaging with the locals and talk to the locals. So, uh, but, uh, the tourists will always be there and, uh, will always be a staple of exactly who our business and what our culture is in Hawaii. So you do have a lot of, a lot of regular customers than more than, uh, tourists. Cause, Every day. Yeah. Cause Every I can, day, uh, basis. Yeah. Uh, cause I can only imagine cause working in like hotels, or airport bars or something like that, you don't really get a chance, or heavy tourists, heavy traffic tours, you know, uh, you don't get a lot of regular customers uh, because they'll be gone in a couple days, a week, or something like that. But it's uh, it sounds like that you're uh, a very community-centered bar, but you still have the occasional tourists going through. You know, that's another really great question. All the questions that you're asking is the conversations that I have every single day with fellow bartenders or with the tourists and I'm pretty much I like to have all kinds of conversations but that conversation in general is that for me I was just talking to another customer for me I could not bartend anywhere else but Hawaii and the reason why is because I love the tourists I love the different conversations I love the talk of you know of around the world if I see the same people every day for my personality and the way my brain works and for what I do I would get bored out of my mind and bartending wouldn't be as exciting for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it's always great. You see somebody come in, you already know what they want. That's fine. You know, but after a while, which I've been in local bars also, is that you already know the conversations that they're going to have. You, you know, you keep re- repeating the same stories. I, I just can't, for me, it's just, it doesn't work for me. The tourism is exactly my fit and what I enjoy. And even the, uh, the locals, they actually, the locals, I'm the entertainer for the locals because they see the way I interact with the tourists and they love that too because it's something different for them also. Because the tur- the locals, it's hard for them to engage with the tourists because they're just sitting there as like a customer also. But what it is, I bring them together and I actually have the locals engage with the tourists. So once again, it keeps it easier for me as a bartender, entertainer, because they start talking and now I can move around the bar a little bit easier 
because I don't have to feel like I have to entertain a particular group. There's 25 bar stools around my bar. So uh, that keeps me very busy. That's a, yeah, that's a big bar. <laughs> Do you ever have any tr- uh, trouble with the tourists? Like, you know, well, back in Paducah, Kentucky, they make the drink this way. And, uh, do you ever have any tr- issues like that? Uh, you know, I find myself to be a master of handling any type of, uh, you know, uh, discrepancies or people would have issues. Um, you know, once again, is that I, the easiest line is, well, you're in Hawaii and, you know, this is how we do things here. Uh, but then once again, I said, any type, if I have the ingredients, I would love to make you the way you like it, mm. you know, but, um, uh, you know, like I said, I, because I have a lot of experience, very few things bother me, but what really does bother me and is my pet peeve. And that's the reason why I don't work late hours anymore is that I have very low tolerance for, you know, uh, for drunkenness. Yeah. You know, very, very low tolerance. Uh, but with that said, I have not. I probably cut off maybe maybe 15, 20 people in my entire career uh, because I try to manage my bar. But, you know, uh, drunkenness, I just have very little tolerance for. Any other um, celebrities? Cut off Lindsay oh, yeah, Lohan? I, or... I, had, I, had, <laughs> uh, I sat down and had cocktails with Nicolas Cage. Oh, I've awesome. uh, entertained, um, you know, uh, Roy Firestone, uh, uh, Mel Gibson. I mean, I can go down the list. Whoopi Goldberg. But uh, Nicholas Cage was the most intimate because he asked me to sit down with him, and that was really really cool. Most recent is uh, Joe Coy, and then uh, uh, my God, his name is escaping me. Uh, uh, Woodson, uh, the uh, one that fought uh, Jake Paul, the the boxer. I'm mean, the UFC fighter. Uh, I don't. I, well, the oh. UFC fighter. So he was yeah. So I have a picture of him. Uh, he came to my bar. We hung out a little bit. Uh, for some reason, his name is escaping me. Uh, Tyrone, Tyrone, Wood, Tyrone Woodley. Okay. Tyrone Woodley, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's constantly. Right now, actually, speaking of Jake Paul, I mean, they're in town right now. They're walking around, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's never ending as far as, uh, you know, the entertainers and uh, the celebrities in town. Yeah, I've, I've heard, uh, I've talked to a couple of Vegas bartenders that say that Mick, Nicolas Cage is actually very mellow. And, yeah, super mellow. <laughs> and like <laughs> after seeing him in his mute movies where he's so intense and you know to hear that he's mellow that's kind of shakes me up a little bit. <laughs> like I mean like you think he's mellow like after just saying it it's not enough. He's like super super mellow. He talks really slow and he's just he's just a super chill guy. He loves his scotch and uh he's just uh just super laid back. Super super laid back. Probably one of the coolest dudes I ever kind of sat down and just had a conversation with, yeah. you know, if they don't put you to sleep, you know, then. So, yeah, you. I didn't know your celebrity list was going to be that long. Usually I only hear maybe two or three names, but that's awesome that you get to meet some of these people. Um, I mean, uh I, back when I was in eighth grade, I talk, oh, seventh grade, I talk shit about him all the time to anybody who will listen. I, I hate Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I met him, uh, back when I was in seventh grade and he was a dick to all of us. So, but it's nice to hear good stories about celebrities every now and then. Well, he was, uh, he was, he's just a few years older than you. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I've, I've also been around, like I said, not that I was famous or anything, but I've been around a lot of 
really successful and famous people. And, you know, a lot of them have this kind of, you know, especially when you're up and coming, you, you know, I go back to the reference of Michael Jordan. It's like, you know, his confidence, his arrogance, and once, but when you're the best, you're the best. A lot of people who are up and coming, you got to just believe that that's who you are because you're trying to achieve your goal. So a lot of times that's not really who they are, but they have to put on that cap on because they're trying to achieve what they're trying to achieve. And nobody can tell them otherwise, because if once you lose your confidence, you can lose your momentum. Mm. So, uh, you know, you got to just stay positive. You got to, you know, but at the same time, you got to treat people very well. But at 18, 19 years old, you know, it's very, very difficult. But I had my own experiences also uh, being humbled by other people and also being humbled by a scenario situation moving up the ladder as far as, uh, you know, um, meeting people, being famous and, you know, kind of uh, being in the spotlight as you wish, you know. Now, the big thing that I admire you about... Now, I tried doing close-up magic or, uh, you know, card tricks as well when I was a bartender because I was out of jokes, you know, that day maybe. Uh, I would, my thing was I would listen to stand-up comedy on my, on my radio all the way to work and then pick, out, pick and choose the, some of the jokes that I wanted to regurgitate for my customers. That's half of what it, they expected from me. Uh, you know, I'd always recite uh, George Carlin's Seven Dirty Words or tell the tater salad story from Ron White, or uh, Robin Williams jokes were actually really hard to do. But uh, at one point, I was just, I want to try to do some magic, some sleight of hand. Um, do you, first uh, first thing, we're going to talk about the dark side of it first. Um, do you have people, when you're doing your magic, I mean, you are very good uh, with your sleight of hand, um, do they have people going, ah, I saw you do that, or you know, try to, try to catch you uh, and not enjoy yeah. the trick and ruin it for everybody you know, else. Uh, like I said, going back to the experience, uh, how much experience you have, how you deal with people, uh, you get that all the time. Um, you know, I get graduates from Harvard and Yale. They just graduated sitting on my bar, and my challenge is to, to fool them, you know, because they have super high intelligence. So then you got, you know, people who are, that's the whole job is to try to figure it out. But I have, I'm just believing my skill set. I know what I'm trying to do as far as entertain. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes also. That's fine. I can laugh at myself. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have to be able to adapt to all the different types of audience that you have. Uh, for me, it's very easy. I love it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, even like I said, TikTok will reveal exactly who we are. They can rewind, pause, slow it down, see everything. You know, that's all fine. But, you know, once again, they don't know. They don't know the the steps that it takes to get to that particular point or to fool someone or to give them the right misdirection or to go ahead and to, you know, it's just so many levels to, you know, once again, bartending, magic, entertaining. Uh, so you just got to make, make sure you de- you knowing what customer you're dealing with and just adjust to the customer. But I love them all. Mm-hmm. I love the ones that are trying to figure it out. I love the ones that are trying to expose me. Uh, and I love the ones who play ignorant and just have a blast and have a good time. You know, so, um, you know, it's just part of the business, uh, but it does not phase me. It's like making a drink. I mean, the most personal thing you can have is making a drink that you put your heart and soul in and you serve it and they say they don't like it. You know, uh, once again, it's just, it's not their flavor profile. It might not be right. what they like. I mean, it could be the most amazing drink, but, uh, you know, as a bartender, you know, you can be super sensitive about it because you have put your heart and soul into making a cocktail. And just say, you know, I don't care for it. Hey, I get my feelings hurt all the time. <laughs> so it's 
same thing it goes with magic is that uh you know you get a lot of people who you know don't really care yeah uh it it was tough for me because there there were certain customers that would like you said be laid back and just just enjoy the card trick even though part of, some of them could mathematically figure out how I did the card trick but there were other people that ah I saw you grab the second uh second row or and then, so you have to quickly your mind has to quickly adjust okay she saw me grab the second row so I got to grab it third this time and you know you could see smoke bellowing from my ears trying to <laughs> You know, you mentioned earlier about what uh, the jokes that you used to practice on and who used to follow and everything. The same thing with magic is like when I'm teaching someone, when I'm sharing with someone, is that uh, I know a millions of tricks. But when I'm teaching or sharing with someone, not all of them will do the tricks that I do and do it the way it should be done. So what it is, you have to know your personality type. You have to know if the trick that you're doing fits your personality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the same thing when you're telling a joke. You're not going to tell all jokes. So it's like, you're not going to, you know, like you're talking about, you're not going to do a Robin Williams joke if you don't have that big personality and that crazy, you know, um, way to deliver it. So that's not going to be your course. The same thing with magic. You're not going to do something that is super technically skilled where something that is real simple and straightforward. So, you know, you have to know your lane. And the same thing when I ask people, oh, can you show me that? Can you teach me that? I could, but let me see your skill set first. Let me see if you know what this is or, you know, double lip or let me see a glide or let me see whatever skill set you have or you know so i have a particular trick that i do that uh that um explains magic mm. and it's zero skill zero sleight of hand and it's all presentation and i teach that to whoever want to learn it and uh if they can deliver that trick they understand magic because it has no sleight of hand and uh no skill involved all it has is that it's the way it's delivered and the misdirection of how you point things out and that would give me a lot of uh, idea of the type of person and personality that I'm dealing with. I totally understand what you mean. Well, when I tell certain jokes, um, I knew, I mean, some people wouldn't appreciate the drug story that Robin Williams told. And, uh, and some people wouldn't appreciate hearing shit, piss, fuck, cocks, cocks, motherfucker and tits all in one shot. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the old standards that everybody seemed to, you know, if I didn't know the person or if I knew that they were a little touchy or something like that, you might be a redneck if, or here's your sign jokes always, always sold well. But, right. Um, but oh, yeah, once again, not in Hawaii. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It won't, it won't go well in Hawaii. Um, uh, you know, uh, that's why. So like even in Hawaii, the, the right now, um, there's a uh, Joe Coy does really well. Uh, fluffy. Gabriel Iglesias does really well. So it's like uh, there's certain uh, comedians that do very, very well because of our, uh, our culture that we have here. Mm. So uh, the same thing, um, you know, I mean, it it won't fit, but we do make fun of other nationalities and races and everything because we're such a melting pot here. But uh, you know, redneck jokes and things like that just does not, does not go well here. (laughs) I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it just doesn't go well. So once again, knowing your audience is really, really important, you know? Yeah. Well, most of I couldn't be able to regurgitate any Gabriel Iglesias jokes, but uh, he's good. (laughs) He's very good. But uh, do you, is there any trick that you do that goes along with making a drink? Uh, Have you integrated a, a, a trick along with making a drink for somebody? So I, and, uh, the only one is the beer that, that pops out of the can. Uh, I've done actually, I put a wedding ring 
uh, an engagement ring and people's drink as they drink it at, and they see it at the bottom because the uh, the uh, fiance told me that uh, they're going to propose and they want it to be special. I also, um, you know, I did uh, ashes to ring for proposals. I've done probably a dozen proposal uh, magic tricks behind the bar. Uh, as far as the drinks, I do a vanishing, you know, vanishing water, vanishing drink by stuffing a towel inside the shaker and having it absorb the water mm-hmm. and then turning it over and it disappears. You know, is that uh, that's how that's done? Huh? <laughs> is that how it's done? I've always wondered. <laughs> yeah, but once again, it's, it's a delivery. It's really about the delivery, the setup. Uh, you know, uh, so I've only been behind the bar again for maybe eight months and I only started to really kind of feel like, okay, I'm going to do this again, probably about maybe four or five months. But now that I'm sort of getting in the groove again, uh, that bar is going to be set up with a lot of stuff. So it's going to have, uh, you know, uh, pre-set up cards. Uh, there's going to be a lot of invisible thread. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of things uh, that is going to be happening that is going to be um, kind of more make it more exciting being at the bar. I've enjoyed uh, a lot of magicians over the years. I mean, uh, I watch Penn and Teller all the time. Um, Ricky. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He, the one that passed you talked about? Yeah. yeah. Ricky? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. I can't think of his last name, huh? Great card mechanic, the way you refer to Incredible. it. Incredible, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just perfect with the way he manipulated the cards. Um, now, uh, there, a magician that's not really a magician, he's more of a prop comic acting as a magician, the amazing Jonathan. Uh, I love him, Jonathan, yeah. Yeah, he passed away uh, some years ago. but uh, I, uh, Did he? Yes. And, Are you sure? Well, the way he pulls tricks on people, maybe not. So, so actually, so he was, uh, he had some type of disease or something happened, and then he was doing this podcast, and he was doing all these different things, letting people know that, you know, he was dying and all these different things. But uh, I think he survived that, uh, unless he passed, like, the last two years. But at one point, I thought he passed, but then he resurfaced. It was really interesting. Look it up. Look it up. Uh, Are yeah, you looking I'm, it up right I'm kind of looking it up right now. Um, yeah. So if anything, probably the last two years. But uh, yeah. Um, uh, amazing Jonathan. I went and saw him at the Sahara. Sahara. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I went to see him. Uh, like I think in 2008 or 2009. Yeah. According to this, he died February uh, early this year. Oh yeah, so early this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he was like diabetic, and like three of his yeah. valves uh, of his heart were like solid as stone. But yeah, I knew it wasn't a couple of years ago. I know that um, it was recent because uh, yeah, I remember kind of uh, I was shocked because a couple of years ago I thought that he passed. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. Since I'm on here on the internet, I might as well look up that Ricky guy, uh, Ricky J. Yeah. Ricky J, yeah, Ricky J, phenomenal. I mean, uh, probably, God, legend, super legend, uh, amazing, highly intelligent, uh, just not only a mechanic, but just as a person, uh, oh, man, just thinking about, you know, the videos and seeing him live at the Magic Castle, uh, just amazing. Even if I know how things are done, it's just, God, it's next level, next level, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, I've tried card throwing. I watched a couple of videos on how he teach how to do card throwing. I still can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But, 
you know, he's, he's just a blast to watch because, you know, you see him, he's dealing out cards and, uh, okay, let's say we're playing a game of gin and all these, uh, and then I'm dealing out and then he looks at his own cards. Well, that would be gin. <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> automatically dealt gin because he, he was an expert at card manipulation. But, uh, yeah, my favorite magician of all time is uh, Lance Burton. I haven't seen his show. I've seen it. Uh, he replaced yeah, the last uh, Siegfried retired about uh, maybe uh, maybe eight ten years. Maybe didn't he replace Siegfried maybe. Roy? Uh, no, he he was out the same time. So Lance Burton, no, Lance Burton's been out in like the early nineties. But mm-hmm. uh, Siegfried and Roy was at the Mirage, and Lance Burton was at the time um, uh, Hacienda. But Hacienda became um, uh, Lexor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I have to laugh all the time because, uh, uh, the interviews that I've seen like Penn and Teller do or other very well-known magicians, they make fun of Chris Angel and say, uh, magic tricks don't get a second take, you know, uh, cause I guess he screws up on stage quite a bit. Well, magicians, no magician. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not that, uh, so yeah, Chris Angel, um, what makes him great is he has a lot of money behind him su- supporting him. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, the things that he do isn't anything special and any other magician or entertainer can do, you know, when people talk about him in a positive way, I said, you know what, if you saw somebody float from one building to the other, you think you have 12 people show up, you yeah. know, to watch him do that, yeah. you know, it has like thousands of people to see that happen. So. You know, so he has a lot of people who are planted, you know, in the audience, uh, which is very common, but not to that extreme. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's not even in the discussion when you talk about magic. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, that other guy that does those endurance things like burying himself so alive. He is. So that's, uh, God, his name is skipping me again. Yeah. Uh, Oh my God! Help me with his name. Um, let's see if I can find him real quick. David Blaine. David Blaine. So David Blaine, when it first came out, he was uh, his mystique and his uh, just his approach would make you just so intrigued by his delivery and his his approach of how he would present any type of trick. So it was always a mystery. So that what he had for him. But then he just went to the next level and uh, he really became. He came up, you know, become of his own. I mean, he's kind of made his own path, which was really, really amazing what he did. Uh, so all respect to him. I mean, uh, but in the beginning, I'm like, uh, very gimmicky, his uh, his delivery, his approach, everything. But then he just found his lane and became an incredible ambassador for magic, uh, kind of, uh, you know, self-human, tr- you know, feats uh, of uh, pushing a body limit. And everything is all skill. It's, there's no bullshit in what he does, you know. Von Payne is made for those who want to explore the possibilities of the night. Different, unique, and not like the others. Founded by people who live on the fringe of the alternative communities, enjoyed by all. Von Payne Black Whiskey features a one-of-a-kind heavy metal gargoyles pour spout that is guaranteed to capture the attention of anyone around you when you pour a glass of this deep ruby red blended whiskey. This is a premium blended whiskey infused with natural black currant. At 45% ABV, you will experience 
many levels of wow factor from the look of the bottle itself, the metal gargoyle, and the great taste of the black currant with the blend of their whiskey. Von Payne Black is now available at CW Spirits. Remember to use code HeyBartender5 for 5% off. Hey Bartender! Do you, uh, have you designed your own tricks? Or so illu- I did a lot illusions? of before. <laughs> I do have some custom-made, uh, uh, custom-made illusions. Uh, I have built some tricks, but nothing that was any different than what was out before. You know, uh, but uh, pretty much uh, because they're just so expensive. It's such an expensive hobby. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you're not building, you're not making, then you're going to go broke. So mm-hmm. I do have a lot of illusions that I've built myself. Uh, in my living room, I got $50,000 worth of magic sitting in my living room right now mm-hmm. that I haven't touched in years. <laughs> but uh, as far as card tricks, close-up magic. So my passion always been close-up magic. That's why I'm a bartender magician. Uh, but uh, before it was creativity the presentation, being creative, how are you going to deliver it? Uh, so, yeah, you'll hopefully see more more of that, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, well, I'm curious, when did you decide to integrate magic into your bar shift? From the very beginning. Uh, so I started bartending in 87. Uh, I think the movie Cocktails came out in 86. So everybody was flaring at the time. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm pretty coordinated. You know, and I, you know, I could do it and everything, but everyone was doing it. And I'm the type of person that, uh, you know, you'll never see me in a, see me in a line dance because I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so, uh, so that's when I met that, uh, the other magician, Bobby Akoba, Mr. Magic and, uh, you know, just kind of follow him. And, but I already knew like two or three tricks in high school, but I never considered myself a magician. I just knew two or three tricks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, then when I knew, uh, how to entertain, and it just stuck. And just watching people's amazement is uh, what continued me to just continue to do magic behind the bar. Well, it's always great when you see your customers happy with whatever. Like when I tell a joke or uh, my thing was on karaoke nights, I became what my karaoke DJ called the singing bartender. And I'd have to go out and sing one song, but then immediately run back behind the bar and start pouring drinks again. But right. That's how, that's what made the customers happy. That's what, how they got to know me. And, uh, they, they, some, for some reason enjoyed me getting up and singing Santana smooth, uh, every week. But, uh, you know, when you find your own niche like that, uh, that's, and customers are happy with it. That's really cool. I mean, uh, I can totally understand. I didn't get into the bar flare much either, mostly because the bars I worked at, the ceilings were too low. But uh, to me, bartender flair is, uh, it takes up too much time. In... But it goes back to, I mean, I'm probably going to upset a lot of bartenders right now, but uh, I'm just not a big fan of craft cocktails. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just not a big fan of it. I mean, uh, I follow a couple incredible uh, bartenders who does amazing cocktails, uh, you know, but then once again, is that that's just, that's the next level. But, I don't think there's an in-between craft cocktail bar. Then you're doing like you're doing the right thing, you know, spending the 10 minutes to go ahead and get your froth and your egg whites really frothy, or you're really incorporating your ice and chopping your own ice and building, you know, uh, or swizzle sticking something so forth. But, uh, you know, when people are waiting 10, 15 minutes for a cocktail, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's another breed of 
you know, and that might be the millennials. They want to have a nice meal, you know, watch somebody build a cocktail and have it specialized. But for the bars that I have worked, it's about speed, incredible fresh ingredients is key, fresh ingredients and get your cocktails to your customers. And you can still do, give them an amazing cocktail with fresh ingredients and you don't have to take 10, 15 minutes to make it, mm. you know? Uh, and as for me, it's like, I'm, it's me, I'm selling myself, you know, uh, you know, people can go, I tell people, people can go to any bar, get a beer, you know, a Mai Tai, a pina colada, anything. But what you're doing is they want to come back for you. Right. You know? Yeah. People tried to use the term mixologist on me and I'm like the term ologist, leave that for the scientists. That's, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm a bartender. And, uh, and I get, I've read recently that the difference between a mixologist and a bartender is mixologist will create a experience for you. Bartender will just give you what you ask for. And, you know, bartenders can do that too, which is, uh, usually like you said, the, you know, all just the same as me, all the bars I ever worked at, it was about speed. It was, uh, it was about flavor. You know, as long as their long Island tasted good, they were happy or yeah. well, maybe long Island's a little bit, uh, just any cocktail, yeah, you know, but, cocktail. uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I have just about maybe four months ago, I had uh, a couple, uh, they love craft cocktails and everything. And by far the biggest company there, they were really serious. They said five, four out of the five cocktails that I made them was probably top 10 that they ever had in their lives. Mm. And for me, I have, I have a culinary degree also. So I understand layering flavors profile. You know, I just, I just understand ingredients. But uh, once again, asking your customers what they like, what flavors they're looking for, you know, and then knowing your ingredients and building upon that. You know, you, um, you mentioned, so uh, you mentioned about my favorite cocktail to make. I mentioned the uh, the margarita shot, but, you know, I love working with uh, with chilies, you know, serrano chilies and tequila with fresh lime juice and pineapple. And, you know, so, um, you know, just things like that. You know, I just love working with fresh fruits and fresh chilies and, you know, but if you know your your ingredients and what complements each other, you can make an amazing cocktail. And also, but it shouldn't have to take ten minutes, right? You know. Now, back in '87 through the '90s, uh, early 2000s, things have changed uh, even since then to now, because before in the bar you had your vodka, gin, rum, triple sec, whiskey. It was all pretty straightforward, but now you've got 18 different flavors of vodka at the minimum. Uh, you've got 12 different uh, flavors of whiskeys. You've got all these different rums. Now, you there's a lot more room to play now when it comes to flavor. And, uh, and you've seen the evolution of it. Did you have any trouble with that? No, not at all. So, I, like I said, my, my path to where I'm at right now, so even back <laughs> when I was 21 starting, uh, the bar that I worked at was uh, a, uh, they specialized in uh, uh, whiskey and ports. So, and in that particular bar was top 10 most beautiful bar in the world of lifestyle, rich and famous. We used linen napkins. So uh, I've learned about a lot of scotches and I had some really incredible expensive ports, but we also had a really high end of everything because it was a high end bar, but we only had high end liquor in that particular bar. So at the time we had about maybe 15 vodkas, you know, a lot of different cognacs, uh, maybe seven gins. And this is in early 90s, and that was a lot at that time also. Mm. And then downstairs in another bar, I didn't work that bar, but I mean, I used to go and check it out. But 
with uh, rums of the islands and vodkas of the world. And they already had a whole bunch of vodkas. The flavors vodkas didn't really make a big move till the mid nineties, I think where it really started to, you know, people wanted, you know, their flavor of the citrons and, you know, uh, whatever else was coming out at the time. But now, like I tell people, so where I'm at right now, we have, uh, we have an incredible Mexican restaurant, but uh, I have probably 70 different tequilas and I have a uh, majority of uh, our liquor is whiskeys and tequilas. So I probably have about 60 or 70 different whiskeys and about 60, 70 different tequilas, probably 10 vodkas, six gins, and maybe 15 rums. Mm. But uh, going back, if you taste everything and you know the profile, you're not going to get similar profiles because they're all pretty much the same. But you want to get the popular ones is great because people are always going to get them. But you want to get something that you can upgrade where people haven't had it yet and say, you know what? If you like this particular tequila or this particular whiskey, you should try this because this is very similar profile. And then they get to experience something else knowing what they already really enjoy. So uh, it really comes down to knowledge, but uh, I never had problems. I, I get excited about learning. So for me, it's, uh, you know, it could, it was intimidating in the beginning. The first margarita bar I worked at, I never knew that there were 150 different, I never knew that. And there was 150 different tequilas. And I was just shocked to see all that tequilas and saying, oh, I got to learn all those tequilas. But, um, you know, I, I love learning. So for me, it was, it was an easy transition. Yeah, back when I first started bartending, I, the only tequilas I knew of uh, was basically Jose Cuervo because uh, that's all right. everybody ever talked about. But now everybody talks about Patron or uh, Cabo Wabo I hear every now and then. but I can, I can go on and on with tequilas because, I mean, we have just a whole bunch. But, you know, like I said, they all kind of stay the same. You know, we uh, like I said, Dobell, and they all have like a series, yeah? Uh, you have this other one that's called Dahlia. Dahlia is a crystallina also, and it has the citrus tones. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, like you can go on and on. I mean, everybody has. We have Sincoro, which is, you know, uh, that's uh, Michael Jordan's uh, tequila. You know, and now, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, uh, Hart. Kevin Hart has his own tequila. Mm-hmm. Now we have to have, have his tequila. You know, so everybody has their own George tequila. George Clooney. You know, yeah. <laughs> George Clooney. Every, everybody has it. You know, Costa Zoo is really popular. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's delicious. It's wonderful. But there's other great tequilas that you don't have to spend that kind of money that you can still enjoy, you know. I, I was watching a, a previous guest that I had on this show was showing off tequila bottles. And it's the first time I ever saw Michael Jordan's tequila, uh, tequila bottle. And it's huge. And he yeah. and he's known on his TikTok channel for making fun of uh, bottle shapes and so that bottle shape that shape as a uh, agave uh, a um, an agave leaf is that what that is yeah so okay. it's uh, so his bottle is shaped as an agave leaf in the beginning when they were talking to me they said if you put a whole bunch of bottles together it looks like the basketball but that's not true it was it's shaped as an agave leaf yeah yeah I think he was getting on that bottle because. Uh, it's kind of like the Galliano bottle. It has to stay off the off the shelves, up against the wall somewhere. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, there's never anywhere to put it. But it's, it's just yeah, funny. I have one sitting on my shelf right in my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> I should have one uh, because, like I said, the my grandfather. There were two drinks that he would only talk about. Uh, uh, he didn't talk about beers or anything. About he would always talk about a Singapore Sling and a Harvey Wallbanger. You know, so as like 
homage to my grandfather. I should have a bottle of Galliano in the house. Yeah, really. All the wall banger. Yeah, I guess uh, going back to like I said, the bartending school. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll share with you what's on the back of my mind as far as whiskey. So. Uh, my favorite whiskey, which I just learned a couple years ago, but it's my absolute favorite, is uh, Kavalan, K-A-V-A-L-A-N, and it's a whiskey from Taiwan, mm. and it is absolutely phenomenal. So the Japanese, they're they're dominating on the whiskey side, but the Japanese, what they do is uh, uh, they control the whiskey like diamonds. They like they only let so much out, so it's like really becomes really valuable. So everybody's allocated only so many, so that's what makes their whiskey very valuable. But I'm not huge on the profile of the Japanese whiskey, but this Kavalon, uh Taiwanese whiskey, I just absolutely love. I mean, it is absolutely fabulous. Mm. Uh, I haven't, yeah, I have never even heard of that, but being here in Texas, there's a lot of liquor out here that doesn't make it out here. Uh, I never, I can go to liquor store to liquor store and I, I'll never see it. So I'll, yeah. have, I'll have to like special order it from some, somewhere or, ask nicely to the uh, liquor store owner, Hey, can you bring this in? And yeah. like, uh, most recently something that I thought was a, uh, a standard for everywhere was Yukon Jack. I can't find it anywhere out here in West Texas, <laughs> but it's somebody just, ordered this, Oh no, what was it? A uh, high time. Somebody ordered a high times. I'm like, what? <laughs> high you heard of high times? I've heard of it. Yeah. High Times is like a, that's like a Jim Beam, old Jim Beam. That's like really old whiskey. I mean, uh, yeah, that's like long time ago. I mean, I'm talking when I was a kid, I seen it, I remembered it. Yeah, now you now you got uh, you're dealing with all sorts of different flavors and experiences. Like uh, uh, I've got a bottle of Curveball, which is a barbecue infused whiskey, and it's incredible. And uh, if you put it into a Bloody Mary, you know, the shameless plug, guys. Um, uh, if you put it into a Bloody Mary, it's just jaw-dropping how good it is. And uh, But it's just so much to work with. And sometimes, you know, when I'm trying to make these videos or do things for Hey Bartender Podcast, and I try to make uh, make these drinks, and I'm like, where the hell do I find that? Or I've, I've never heard of that. Or... Uh, like um, just recently was the first time I've ever dealt with Campari. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, Campari, uh, Apernol, all that. I mean, people are loving it. They're using it a lot. You know, uh, I'm not a big fan of it, uh, but we always have it because, uh, you know, like I said, it's the, uh, it's the new movement of, uh, of drinkers, mm. you know, all this aperitifs. And I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's a different direction. But I'm a, I'm an old school bartender with just with a lot of knowledge. Mm. Uh, I can do it all, but I like to keep it simple. And then, like I said, is that my money is making sure that people have a great experience. They have something to remember. Uh, like I can say I can, I have so many stories. Uh, me as a bartender, as a magician, uh, I have people from all over the world have given me incredible gifts. Uh, you know, largest tip I've ever made was seventeen hundred dollars one customer. Holy crap! You know, Hopefully yeah. that was cash so you didn't get taxed is, on it. <laughs> yeah, $100 tips is uh, very uh, common for me. Oh, yeah. that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah. So do you have a favorite story from behind the bar that uh, that always stays with you? So the story, there's two big stories that I like to share. This one is kind of liquor related. 
Uh, so, uh, so I'll share it. It's kind of sad, but it's kind of heartwarming also. So, uh, so I worked at the Grand Hyatt Hotel. Uh, that's the bar ten out a bar out of bar I mentioned about being top ten most beautiful bar in the world. Uh, and then uh, because I had a big name, everybody heard of me and they wanted to come and see me. This particular couple, they never was guests of the hotel, but they had a timeshare about two miles off the hotel. But they would come and see me every single time they would um, go to the timeshare. So year after year, I was at the Hyatt for about four years. So year after year, they would come and see me. And um, uh, so I would see them every single time. And then um, one year I left that summer, I left to Portland to go to move to Portland and uh, do some magic and bartend in that particular area. Then when I came back home, I opened up a couple restaurants. Roy's is a very popular, famous restaurant. So I opened up Roy's restaurants and all my customers came to see me back in Hawaii when I opened up Roy's. And then my customers repeatedly saw me. So I, I missed that particular couple that uh, they usually would come and say at the timeshare, I didn't see them that particular time. And they came back the next year again. And I'm like, hey, where you guys been? I missed you guys. They go, it was a terrible year for us. You know, our daughter got into a car wreck. You know, she passed. We, you know, it was a rough time. You know, we really wanted to introduce you to her, so forth. But they said, you know what? How about you come to California? We'll pay for your trip. We'll send you up. You know, we just love you. You know, uh, just come. You know, be it'll be good for us also. So I went to go visit them. And they took care of everything for me. Uh, after that, the year after that, I left to move to California uh, separately, got married, had a family, did my thing. Uh, after I lived my life, uh, went through a really rough time on my way back to Hawaii. Uh, uh, before that, as I was going through my life, I posted on Facebook that uh, there's people in my life that you meet that makes an impact on you. And I, I posted a picture of me and that particular couple. I'm not going to mention their names because we're going to come back and I'm going to mention it as I, the story comes full circle. Uh, so, um, so I posted a, uh, the story and the picture of us that said, people are amazing. This particular couple, you know, they made a big impact me impact on my life. And, um, you know, and it's people like this that really is what life is all about. So 10 years later, and I'm coming back to Hawaii and I'm behind the bar doing my thing. And this couple comes in, sits down at the bar. And I said, Hey, how you guys doing? I said, you guys look so familiar. They go, well, where do you used to live? I go, well, I just moved back from California. They go, uh, well, we still live in Tahunga. I looked at them and I said, John and Mary Stein. I said, I'm magically. I said, I was at you guys house 25 years ago. I said, I know everything about your lives. I said, you guys were had a timeshare here. Uh, you know, you had a very devastating experience with your daughter passing. I said, uh, you know, you guys made a big impact on me. I said, actually, I have a picture of us. I posted on Facebook. You got a picture of us? I go, yeah. So I said, here's the picture. You know, about they're like, oh, my God. I said, do you guys still live here? You know, I go, no, we've been residents of Kauai for 12 years now. They said, actually, we're the owner of Koloa Rum, which is a very famous <laughs> rum in Hawaii. And they own a distillery now, which is very, very popular, very, very famous. And, uh, and they're the owners of Koloa Rum. Oh, and, really? Uh, so back full circle and uh, yeah so I have a, a picture of of us 25 years ago and then 25 years present so that's yeah, amazing pretty amazing yeah. <laughs> but being in Hawaii once again you get that because people come year after year visit so you get to see these people all the time mm. that's what makes Hawaii so special is that um, you know you get these tourists that come to visit but then you got these regulars of tourists that comes here one or two weeks out of the year and just love 
coming back. When I was on Kauai, people used to just go to Kauai because I was there. They couldn't go to any island, but because I was there, they went there. After I left the island, then they started to travel to other islands, but they just love the, once again, feeling like they belong, and you, you give them that. Mm. Thank you for letting me share that. Yeah, I, that was an excellent story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, it's very rare that you all you can all of a sudden do that. I mean, truth being told, if I was feeling uh, particularly jokey uh, that night, I'd probably try to act like a magician and say, let me see if I can guess your names, uh, you know, or or and or look at this picture on my cell phone and then one, two, three, is that you? You know. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, so yeah, that is, uh, yeah, I could have, but because I knew the history, you know, but you know what, but that's the kind of thinking that I like that you're just sharing with me because that's, that's the entertainer. That's magic right there because you're incorporating that type of thing. But, um, so funny that you said that because just a couple months ago, this couple comes up and they showed me, they go, is this you? And they showed me a picture of me and their parents. And I said, yeah, that's me. And so I didn't know anything about them. But I said, you know, my mom and dad loves you. And I, don't know. I said, come over here, come over here, because I'm already entertaining this dude. I said, come on, sit down over here. So I moved them over to the other side of the bar because I already was doing magic and entertaining this particular uh, couple. So they came and they sat down and they're, you know, they're just blown away. They're like, oh, my God, you know, what are you, you know, doing all these different things. And I said, you guys didn't know that I did magic? They go, no, we didn't. They said, because my mom and dad, they just, love you as a person. They just adore you as a person. And I felt so honored, so special that people just like the person that I am. It's not because of my magic. It's just the person that I am. And, uh, but that was an, one of the biggest, most amazing compliments I could have ever had as a bartender. Yeah. That's a great compliment. Yeah. Uh, you can't top that. <laughs> Uh, so um, we're coming up on the uh, on the end of the show. So what do you got plans for the future? Or I mean, you're gonna keep bartending. You're gonna uh, work on your magic again, or so uh, I'm gonna be. I, I'm my Hawaiian name is Ho'onui, which is the truth. Everything that I said, this is me. This is the real. This is the raw. So I'm gonna be very frank with you. Is that uh, so? Uh, as I mentioned, I had a I had a massive heart attack last year. Mm-hmm. So I was the uh, food and beverage uh, manager doing both. And then uh, after that, I already told him I was going to step down. So now I just do uh, the scheduling inventory and, um, and uh, you know, the bar ordering. But uh, with that said, is that with that, I bartend three days a week, uh, two nights in a day. Um, and that's, I'm good with that. But. I also have some investors that uh, we're looking into uh, a restaurant and a bar right now. So I got one more good run in me, but I think that I'm, I'm ready to just kind of uh, hang up the, the jigger, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, just kind of ready to, you know, see what else is out there. I got some other things that's going on, but um, I got one more good run in me as far as my energy, as far as my passion to do it one more time. But what's holding us back here in Hawaii is the cost of goods and services. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just that in general is, uh, it's a big risk. Uh, my investors, they believe in me. They, they willing to support me, but, um, you know, it's just really hard to find the right location and find the right situation. But I also play poker. Also, uh, I actually made the final table at the road series of poker Oh, nice. in 2006. Yeah. I actually, um, have a lot of winnings with that. You can Google me if you like to, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I actually was a casino manager also. So 
Uh, but uh, I, Wait, I you're playing, playing poker, poker but they they realize you're a magician. Anybody accuse you of cheating? <laughs> yeah, oh, that happens all the time. That happens all the time. <laughs> you never reveal that, but but yeah. So uh, I still want to stay in the business. That's where the money's at is behind the bar. Uh, but uh, as far as bartending, two three days, I'm good with that right now. Yeah. Any chance we're going to find you on Penn and Teller Fool Us? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm beyond all that. I'm beyond, um, you know, and that's why if you don't notice uh, on my TikTok, when people ask me where I work, mm. like, where is this? I want to come and see you. I never tell them where I'm at. Oh, and the yeah. reason why, the reason why is that um, I've, I've done all that before. I've done five, six roles and entertaining and everything. I just don't have the energy mm. to, to perform at that level and to move at that level. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I just slow down a lot. So I, I want to control what I know, mm. you know? So, uh, yeah. And I, like I said, I was on Jay Leno. I competed in Las Vegas. I, I've done all the, the fame and glory stuff. Now I'm just trying to enjoy the experience and enjoy the ride. But, uh, when people already have come and see me and said, you know, we've been looking for you all day. We noticed this and that we, we're glad we found you and I'll give them the VIP treatment and I'll spend time and, you know, give them a show of a lifetime. That's great. Uh, that's, uh, you're, you sound like a great bartender, uh, to, uh, when you're very accommodating to your guests and you're very friendly, entertaining. Yeah. You've, you've got all it takes. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, we're coming up on the end of the show here. So, um, if you want to take a minute now and let people know, uh, where they can find you, how to contact you, um, please let us know. Yeah. Um, you know, I just started, uh, like I said, the TikTok, right? I'll share with you what happened with the TikTok. So uh, as I was the food and beverage uh, manager, I told the owners that, you know, we have all these food influencers coming in, but I see no people coming in saying, you know, I saw this particular influencer and they had this great food. And I said, we're not getting any business and we're comping all their foods, all their drinks and we take care of them, but I don't see any business coming from them. I said, I can make a bigger impact doing my magic and have a lot more followers than they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first video I posted, I had 4.5 million views. Oh, <laughs> and, God. Uh, yeah, so I just kind of blew up right away. Uh, and then how arrogant I am is that I screenshotted my followers and how many um, my followers and liked it. Just before I, I sent that video out, I screenshot it. Within 12 hours, I had 600,000 views. After 24 hours, I had 1.5 million views. But I knew that it was going to blow up but because I was doing that on purpose. And then I just kind of, I just kind of put videos out there just to do it. But I haven't been 100% committed to say, okay, I'm going to do this on TikTok and this is what I'm going to do. But as I'm learning more about TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and things like that, I'm linking my TikTok uh, to Instagram. And then now I'm just starting uh, some YouTube videos. So, but uh, my name on TikTok and Instagram is Magic Lee Hawaii. So my name is Lee. L E E magic Lee Hawaii. So all one word and it goes to, um, it's pretty much the same for my Instagram, my TikTok, and, uh, and my YouTube, which I'm just started to link in the last two weeks or so. Now you mentioned before we hit record that you were planning on a video series coming up pretty soon about magic on your YouTube channel. Yeah. So what I was planning on doing with people going to expose your tricks anyway, they just can't enjoy them. So what I was planning on doing is I was, my platform is going to change a little bit. So I'm going to be doing behind the scenes and I'm going to do uh, mostly reaction videos 
and how the reaction is going to take place. And all the videos from my videos is all customers taking the videos. It's not me taking the videos. It's all, it's from the customer's point of view. So everything's not staged. If they see it, they don't see it. It doesn't matter. It's really all about the reaction of the customer. So, so instead of fighting with everybody saying, Oh, I know how they did that and everything I'm going to expose and I'm going to share how the trick is done. And majority of my videos will be pretty much seen from behind the scenes, but it will be all about the reaction. So I'm going to have, Hey, where are you from? How are you doing? If they say they're from New York, I'm going to go, New York's reaction, Arizona's reaction, Australia's reaction. And so it's all going to be pretty much the same tricks, but the reaction of different people from around the world. So that's going to be kind of a new direction where I think that might be exciting for people to yeah. see the different reactions from people all over the world. Yeah, hopefully you don't uh, have somebody that accuses you of being the devil or something like that from one uh, one. <laughs> uh, if they did, it, it like I said, I've been around. It doesn't really phase me. You know? <laughs> That's great. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being on Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm really happy that we were able to get our schedules together since we have a four-hour time difference. Um, if, if you ever want to come back, just let me know. It's been a little, just been a blast talking to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, I mean, I love sharing, like I said, uh, you know, you give me a list of questions, whatever. I'm willing to share my knowledge, my experience. Uh, you know, um, I, I just, I just, I love what I do. I'm very passionate about life and uh, I'm willing to share whatever, you know, makes people excited and, and happy. And uh, so, uh, yeah, you're welcome to call me anytime. Also, uh, I get caught up. I, I love my, uh, my new family. I have stepchildren now. I'm being daddy too. So uh, I love raising them and enjoying life right now also. So, you know, but uh, you're welcome to contact me and uh, we can move forward from there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Anthony. Yeah. All right, people. It is last call. Last call for alcohol. Get on up to the bar and get your last drink. I know we were talking a lot about Hawaii, but uh, tropical drinks really aren't my thing. Well, they can be. I just have to look them up. Uh, it's been a while since I've been a bartender, so I and I never could really remember how to make a Mai Tai ever. It's weird. But anyway, thank you so much to Magic Lee Hawaii from TikTok, Instagram for being on the show. Uh, let me tell you, people, um, I love having guests on this show. And to get these people that are way far away from me, I, I know Hawaii is not a different country, but to hear stories from different places, uh, because, you know, you can even go across the street and the liquor laws are slightly different or how they make drinks are slightly different. And the stories are always different. So if you ever want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com, and we can talk about how to get you on the show. I've had people from England. I've had people from Ecuador. I've had, you know, uh, Canada. You know, it, it's been tons of fun. Big thanks once again to Laura Hope and the Arctones for giving me their song, Dr. Bartender, for the theme song to Hey Bartender Podcast. Make sure you go check out the rest of their music. They are awesome people. I bought them on vinyl just so I can get that real classic uh, feel to it because, you know, for some reason, listening to vinyl records and hearing that as the record's turning gives me a good feeling. I don't know why. Also, go check out CWSpirits.com, people. The holidays are here. And if you want to get your boss or you have a family member that is a big fan of bourbon, whiskey, vodkas, whatever, 
all go to cwspirits.com and go check out their gift packages. They've got a lot of them, all sorts of different liquors that you can check out. And maybe you might find something for yourself that you've never tried before, but you are willing to try it. Just remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout. You get a discount on your entire order. Plus, if you order over $125, you get free shipping. Not not too shabby there. Follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me uh, at the name at HEYBARTENDERPODCAST. All three of them are exactly the same. And, uh, you know, you'll find out when the new shows are coming out or when the new show is out. And, uh, you know, if you follow me around, you might learn something, too. I uh, tell bartending stories, and I uh, tell you how to make drinks that I find out about. Remember to share, follow, like, subscribe. Give me a five-star review or a comment on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I could really use uh, a few more ratings on there. Help me out here, people. But until next time, thank you so much for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. And as usual, lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got...